Hello, everyone. So happy we can be joined together in this online liturgy. And I would like to welcome everyone, wherever you are in your spiritual journey. And, and I know a lot of people participating uh, online. Um, they've been walking with uh, Jesus for a really long time, and that's a beautiful thing. And then there's maybe quite a few people who are, maybe you could call it spiritually unresolved. Uh, you're, you're just trying to figure it out. And, and we're really proud of you uh, for hanging in there, asking questions, and we pray that this is a safe place for everyone to explore and to grow uh, together in faith. So as we continue in worship, uh, coming to God's Word, our focus really in all of this is leading us to the high point of our time together today, which is the table of communion. And this is our high point in our online worship gathering and so if you don't have bread and uh, juice or wine with you, uh, you can just simply pause uh, right now and go get that as we'll be uh, receiving uh, together later in our time. So as we move towards that, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that your spirit would open our eyes to the truth of your word today. I pray that you would give us eyes of faith and ears that are ready to be taught by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, you may or may not know that we're in the middle of a teaching series that we've called Transform. And we're looking at Paul's letter to the Romans. We're actually in Romans chapter 12, where Paul begins to explain how the realities that he has been talking about for the last 11 chapters can transform the way we live because a completely new way of approaching life is open to us in Jesus Christ. So to begin with today, uh, I need to take you back to your childhood. I don't remember if you remember that little song and dance that was called the Hokey Pokey. Um, it's that little song that says to put your left arm in or your right leg in or some other body part. And then you're supposed to do the Hokey Pokey, turn yourself around, and that's what it's all about. Uh, it's an active and sometimes tiring little exercise with, that ends with the command, put your whole self in. And so when I think of that song and dance, I'm reminded of another instruction. Uh, this one from the Apostle Paul, which we looked at the last couple of weeks, where he writes in Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 1. And friends, this is the word of God. And Paul writes, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. So to present your bodies is Paul's way of saying, put your whole self in. The song and dance routine that we call worship involves offering our whole person to God. So today we're going to continue in our second part of what, we, what it means to move from a volunteer, you know, just putting in an arm, to a servant putting our whole self in. And we'll be getting more into some of the specifics in regards to spiritual gifts and the steps we're going to invite you to take out of our teaching today. But as we begin, I'm, as we begin, I'm reminded of uh, Paul's words to the Corinthians when he said, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. And so I'm, I'm assuming that applies to us as well today, that as followers of Christ, we should not be uninformed or ignorant to the nature and purpose of spiritual gifts. 
And if we were reading through the New Testament, uh, the first place we would actually run into the, the term spiritual gifts is in Romans chapter 1, verse 11, where Paul writes, I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Now, when Paul says here he wants to impart some spiritual gift, it sounds like Paul wants to, you know, help them have a gift. But the text actually means that he wants to give them the benefit of his gift. So he's basically saying, I long to see you so that I can use my gifts to strengthen you. Spiritual gifts are for strengthening others, meaning gifts are given to be given. They aren't given so that we can somehow hoard them. I mean, imagine going to a kid's birthday party and everybody brings a present, but nobody gives the gifts to the kid. That's a one way to ruin a kid's birthday present or birthday day, isn't it? Gifts are meant to be given away. So Paul is saying, I want to share with you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. He desires to use his gift to strengthen what? Their faith. And the same word is used in 1 Thessalonians, uh, where Paul uh, says this, We sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort or strengthen you in your faith, that no one be moved by these afflictions. So to strengthen someone by a spiritual gift means to help someone not waver in their faith when trouble enters their life. And so we see from these two passages that we've looked at that we are given spiritual gifts in order to help other people keep growing in faith and maintaining a firm foundation in life storms. So question, is there someone in your life whose faith is being tested these days? Like all of us, right? But who in your life is struggling? And I want you to think about this. God most likely has given you a spiritual gift uniquely suited to strengthen that person. Now, I think it's important not to worry too much about trying to figure out what my spiritual gifts are before I start using them. Meaning, if you're a kid or a teen or you're new to faith, don't worry so much about whether you can say, that's my spiritual gift, teaching or mercy. Just think, the reason we have spiritual gifts is to strengthen other people's faith. Maybe here is someone whose faith is struggling. How can I help him or her? Well, do or say what seems most helpful. And if that person has helped, you may have discovered one of your gifts. So for instance, maybe you went on a walk with somebody and you kind of connected with the trouble that they're kind of walking through in life and you were able to kind of lift their hope. You may have the gift of empathy. Or maybe you invited someone over to your home because they were new or they were alone. You may have the gift of hospitality. You see, I really believe that not knowing what our spiritual gifts are is the biggest problem. I think the biggest problem is not really having a desire to strengthen other people's faith. Because as human beings, we are way more prone to tear down than to build up. We like the path of least resistance. 
we choose self over others. I mean, this definitely includes me. I don't know about you, but these are pulls in my everyday life. So as Romans 12 started with putting our whole selves in, we start our day with giving our whole selves to God and simply praying, Father, thank you so much for Jesus and what he has given me. Now please give me a desire to strengthen other people's faith today. And at the end of the day, I pray that somehow they will be more confident of your promises and that they will find more joy in the grace that you've given because they've somehow crossed my path. You see, the reason I say becoming this kind of person is really more important than finding out your spiritual gift is that when you become that kind of person, the Holy Spirit will not not let your desires go to waste. He will help you find ways to strengthen the faith of others. And that may just be the discovery of your gifts. Because the reality is, you don't learn your gifts before you, you do ministry. You learn your gifts as you minister. So what is a spiritual gift? Well, from what we've been reading so far, a spiritual gift is simply um, an expression of faith that strengthens faith. Or another way to put it would be a spiritual gift is, is a God-given ability to express our faith effectively, whether it's in word or deed, to somehow strengthen someone else's faith. And so it's helpful for me to think about spiritual gifts in this way because it keeps me from associating them with natural abilities. Because many people who are not yet following Jesus have great abilities in teaching or administration, for example. And these abilities are God-given whether they recognize them or not. But these would not be called spiritual gifts of teaching and administration because they are not expressions of faith and they are not seeking to strengthen faith. So regardless of what our abilities are, if if we are not relying on God and we are not seeking to help others rely on God, then our ability is not really a spiritual gift. So now we're going to come to our passage in Romans chapter 12, a section that gives us a bit more detail about spiritual gifts. And beginning with verse 3, this is what we read. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So two things we can discover from this passage. First, don't get all worried whether you can name your gifts or not. Spiritual gifts are not limited and defined group of activities spelled out in the New Testament. Rather, spiritual gifts are any ability the Spirit gives you to express your faith in order to strengthen the faith of another. I mean, just look at the last four gifts that Paul mentions in verse 8. Exhorting, giving, leading, 
acts of mercy. And the remarkable thing about all of these, maybe with the exception of leading, is that all believers are called to do all of these things. To exhort, to encourage and strengthen one another, to give, to live lives of generosity, acts of mercy, to actually care for those who are hurting around us. So the gift must be that some are enabled by the Spirit to do it more effectively and frequently than others. So really, any virtue at all in your life, which you feel you are empowered to do with passion, that helps others, could actually be considered one of your gifts. And the second thing that we discover is that both the gifts we have and the faith to exercise them are given to us by God in varying measure. And the reason Paul teaches us this is that so that we don't think so highly of ourselves. I mean, the gifted are always in danger of being prideful. It was a huge problem in Corinth, and it might have been a problem in Rome as well. And he says in verse 6 that we have these gifts, they differ according to the grace given to us. Meaning that if you have an ability that makes you more effective in helping others, you owe that to God's grace. It was not earned. It was given to you. That is why Paul says in verse 3, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought to, but think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So not only is the gift, but the measure of faith we have to exercise the gift is a gift from God. This is important to know so that we can walk in humility with each other. So, God gives us gifts to be used. Paul's point here isn't an exhaustive study. It's exhaustive use. And we see he only mentions seven of the gifts here. Uh, The gifts are listed here. They're also listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. But we see that this list in Romans is not a complete list, and neither are the other lists complete lists. But generally speaking, if we were to give an overview of the gifts, they kind of all fall into three categories. The first one would be speaking gifts, where we would have prophecy, teaching, uh, exhortation, and knowledge. Then we have the leadership gifts, uh, government, administration, and wisdom. And then the third category would be considered serving gifts, giving, mercy, hospitality, miracles, tongues and interpretation, and healing. So really, here's a a brief definition of the gifts that Paul lists here in Romans 12, just so that we understand what he's talking about. So prophecy, it really means to speak to people while under inspiration. And now there's a misconception that it's mostly like foretelling, you know, telling the future, but it's really more about forth calling uh, God's word at the right moment. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, you know, on the one hand, the one who prophesies, he speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. And really prophecy is the only gift really that Paul says that should be desired. Uh, he says that in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, where he says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gift, especially that you may prophesy. So that's one of the gifts that he talks about. Then service. It really means to help people. And it can be a particular group of people. And service is a little different than what what he says helps is in 1 Corinthians 12, where helps is really more 
task-orientated. A service is more people-orientated. And then we have the gift of teaching. You know, to teach God's people word, to make truth clear and understandable. And there's lots of contexts that teaching can be uh, used in, whether it's preaching, a discipleship groups, or a small group, or just personally. And back in their day, people were finding new life in Christ and doctrines needed to be learned. And it's the same today. As people come to know Jesus, doctrines are needing to be learned in this new way, this new transformed way of living needs to be learned. So teaching is a very powerful gift. And it's the same today. And so just an encouragement, if you have a gift of teaching, man, study hard, but love people, not just study. And then we have exhortation or exhorting one another. It means to be called to one side. In the Greek word is parakaleo. It means to invite or call together to or to encourage. And uh, the same kind of word is used of the Holy Spirit in John uh, chapter 14 where he's called the paraclete. And it's kind of this big word. It means to comfort, to encourage. And so in the first century, life was generally grim. And so Encouraging one another, coming alongside one another was a powerful thing. And I don't know about you, but life seems pretty grim these days as well. So exhorting one another is a powerful way that we can strengthen one another's faith. And that's why the writer of Hebrews in chapter 10 uh, talked about this where he said, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And let's not stop meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. So we need to exhort one another and some people have specifically the abilities to do this more effectively. And then we have contribute, simply means to give to people. And it's not just money, because in Luke chapter 3, it talks about giving our shirt away or our clothes away. Um, you know, Paul talks about in First Thessalonians that we give the gospel in our very own lives away. Uh, there was, uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, people were to help people financially. In Acts, we read about how Barnabas actually sold land and he gave the money to the apostles to continue to do the work. And we read in Acts that John Mark's mother actually used her house uh, to donate so the church could meet there. So wealth is not a requirement for this gift. Let me just say that again. Wealth is not a requirement for this gift. And the habit of generosity is just good for all of us to cultivate, regardless if it's a spiritual gift or not, because it leads us to trust deeper in God. And then there's leadership, to stand and go before people. And it speaks of a responsibility to oversee, to govern, and to direct. And really the gift of leadership is people-orientated. It is about relationships and responsibilities. So if you have this gift, you will display a heart that cares about the people and a commitment to move them forward. And then acts of mercy is the last one that Paul speaks about here, to show God's mercy to people. So people with this gift are often moved uh, to work with the poor, uh, the sick, the addicted, the prisoner, the weak, the elderly, and so on. And really compassion fills your heart for those who are hurting and you serve these people because you care so deeply about them. And so this is really just a quick overview of the gifts that Paul lists here. And really to wrap up, um, I, want, I think Peter gives us a great picture into spiritual gifts that will solidify what we've been learning today. 
So in 1 Peter uh, chapter 4, verse 10, we read this. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's, great, God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So remember, each one of us has received a gift. Gifts are not for a few, but for all. And every believer has abilities which the Holy Spirit has given for the purpose of strengthening other people's faith. And it is one of the great joys of following Jesus when you can discover what your gifts are and pour yourself out to others using your gifts. And the best way to find them is to desire to be God's instrument in bringing about faith and joy in other people. And then second, I want you to picture a house that is filled with many talented stewards who are given the owner's resources to administer. And the picture is, the church is the house, and the stewards are all of us. The various talents are our varied, varied gifts, and the resources are God's grace. And the administration is the exercise of our gifts. And we are called to be stewards of God's grace. So that's the way that we should think of our responsibility in the church, all of us. We are recipients of grace, and it is our duty to give out that grace to others. So what should be happening at Southview Church is that all of God's stewards, all of us, should be waking up more and more to God's grace that we have in Christ and finding more and more ways to creatively give out that grace to each other and to those outside by the use of our spiritual gifts. Now, to what end is this all for? Well, Peter talks about this when he says in verse 11 that in everything... God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. This means that God's purposes in giving us gifts and in, and in giving us faith to exercise them is that his glory might be displayed. He wants us and the world to marvel at him and think that he is fantastic. And there is nothing more thrilling, more joyful, more meaningful more satisfying than to find our place in the eternal unfolding of God's glory. And so to help you in that journey, on our website, we've created a link to Right Now Media Study for you to dig in deeper into this topic of spiritual gifts. And it's called Discovering Ourselves Design. Because we know we just can't cover everything in the time that we have here together. And I also want to remind you quickly that you can also go to our website and check out the Digging Deeper questions as they'll help you dig into deeper the things that we've actually talked about today. And just because we like you so much, we're going to throw in and on top of that, all of that, free of charge, a spiritual gift assessment test that you can download and take, which may help you understand more fully how God has gifted you. And you can go to our website, southviewchurch.com, and find all of those things. 
And we do hope that these resources will help continue to grow you deeper in your understanding of who God has made you and how he has called you to serve so that together we can advance the purposes of God in this world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have entrusted us with many things, so many, in fact, that we are often not even aware of the extent of giftings and opportunities you have placed before us. And when we do recognize them, Lord, we know that these talents and gifts, they're not self-made, but they are God-given. So today, Father, please open our eyes to your giftings within us, each uniquely given with loving intention. And as our awareness of these special gifts increase, may we remain humble and grateful. May we seek to discover how you want us to use these blessings to faithfully and generously serve others in your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And now we come to the high point of our service as we come to receive from Christ in this meal. And if you have a bread and juice ready, if not, you can just pause and, and go get that so that we can join in this meal together. Now, I acknowledge that this may not be the ideal way to receive, but thankful that we can receive even in this way. And so in this meal, we are remembering and proclaiming the death of Jesus. And through the work of Christ's Spirit, we are being spiritually fed in this bread and cup. And so, Father, we ask that you would feed us today in this meal. And so taking your bread... The body of Christ was broken for you. Receive from him. And then taking the cup. The blood of Christ was poured out for you. Receive from him. Amen. So having received from Christ in communion, you are now sent by him into this world as his ambassador. Now go and serve. And as you express faith to strengthen the faith of others, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.